are in a series this month that we're doing. We're called, we're just calling it Live Free. Uh, we're talking about the freedom we have in Christ. And uh, not only do we believe that it is attainable for us as followers of Jesus, it's actually his plan for us. Uh, it's not just some pipe dream that's out there and we're hoping for the best, but he really wants us to live free if we are his followers. And uh, so we're taking the whole month just to talk about freedom. In fact, last week, Pastor Unique Mackey was here sharing with us, did an incredible job. If you missed it, um, I encourage you to go watch it on YouTube or Facebook. It was a really great message for us. And uh, we're gonna continue talking about freedom today. And in fact, my uh, text verse is out of Ephesians 4 for today. And I'm gonna ask you to stand with me as we read God's word together. If you don't have your Bible, you can look at the screen. Ephesians 4, verses 30 to 32, it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Praise God. That's a good... Good admonition from the Apostle Paul. The title of my message today is simply, Free to Forgive. Would you pray with me? Our wonderful, gracious, heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you are, God. Thank you for your work in our lives. Thank you today that we can come together like this and be in community and worship together and hear your word. God, and I pray that your word today would do its work in our hearts, that it would transform us as it so often does in our life, God. I pray that my words would be your words today and that you would do what only you can do. And I pray above all else, God, that you would receive all the glory. God, we would leave this place today talking about you and your goodness and no one else. And we thank you for it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Praise God. You can be seated. So if you've been a part of New Hope for any length of time, you probably know we are pretty intentional to talk about forgiveness a couple times a year at least because of the fact that I believe forgiveness in our life and living a lifestyle where we are constantly forgiving is more important than we even know. That the, the effects of not forgiving others in our life are incredibly detrimental to each and every one of us. And God has called us to live a life of freedom through forgiveness. That bitterness and resentment and anger would not root into our lives, but that we would live these lives of freedom that God has called us to live. The, the Word of God says so, so much about forgiveness and the importance that, that we have as His people to extend and live a lifestyle of forgiveness. You, we're talking about freedom this month, and you cannot talk about freedom without talking about forgiveness because unforgiveness puts us in chains more than almost anything else in all of our life. And so if we're gonna talk about freedom, forgiveness has to be part, about, part of it. And if you've been a Christian for a while and you're used to church, you probably heard a lot of stuff about forgiveness. There's a lot of verses. There's probably some you can even recite from memory. You know, the Lord's Prayer has right in the middle of it where we, the, the Lord tells us to pray, God, forgive me of my sins as I forgive others. And we know that. And it's easy to remember that. It's easy to recite. And it's easy to understand the concept. But living it out is a whole nother story, right? And the reason it can be so tough is because it's not a one-time thing. Wouldn't it be great if you could just forgive everybody in your life that's ever hurt you or betrayed you or offended you or, or abused you or done things in your life. If you could just do like a one size fits all, like pray, God, I forgive them all and that's it and it's over. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. I, think I, consider, I, I uh, compare forgiveness in our life more to like a mortgage. 
You know how at the beginning of the month you make your mortgage payment, and when you do, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily easy, but you're glad you have the money to do it, and then when you do it, you kind of sigh, as a sigh of relief, like, okay, well, I bought myself four weeks, right? And then four weeks later, here it comes again. And you have to check the calendar, because you're like, there's no way it's already been a month. <laughs> this was just three days ago, right? And it just keeps coming, month after month after month. That's how forgiveness is in our life. You could forgive everything and everybody and every, every aspect of everything that's ever happened to you in your life, but if you live on this planet, there's going to be things coming down the road that are going to bring offense, that are going to cause issues in your life, that are going to hurt you, that are going to, where you're going to be betrayed or mistreated, and so we're gonna constantly have to be forgiving. In fact, we're supposed to live a lifestyle of forgiveness in our life. We can't get in the trap of just talking about it and thinking that that's enough, right? If, if you had a friend that just talked about working out and getting in shape and being fit but never did anything, you would think they were kind of crazy, right? They just said, yeah, you know what, I, I, need to, I think I need to work out, I need to eat right, and I need to take care of my, my body and, and do the things that need to be done, but they never do it. Can I tell you, if that's you, I promise you those clothes that are in the back of your closet that are your when I lose weight clothes, they're just gonna stay there forever. You might as well give them away because if you're just talking about it, it ain't gonna happen. And it's the same way with forgiveness. We can't just talk about it, we have to do it. And if we want to be free in life, church, we have no other option. There's no option but to forgive in our life. It's gonna come, the offenses are gonna come in our life. You know, I had to forgive somebody this week for something that was so weird. I've never had anything happen to me like this in my life. Uh, a friend of mine introduced me to someone else that he knew that's new in town, just moved here from another state, and wants to get plugged into a church. And so he introduced me to this person and said, hey, this guy's looking for a church. And I thought maybe you guys could meet and see if maybe it'd be a good connection or whatever, you know? So I just introduced myself, told him about my church, and, and he looked at me and he goes, oh wait, he said, I've been watching a lot of churches online because I'm trying to find one. He said, I think I saw yours. Did, did you preach a couple weeks ago on um, Galatians 5 about freedom in Christ? And I said, oh yeah, I did. And I'm expecting him to say like, oh, that was really great. No, that's not what he said. <laughs> he actually told me that I was doing it wrong that I was actually putting people in bondage. And I was literally, this is, I'm not exaggerating, this is the first sentence out of his mouth when I, when I told him that that was me. And I'm looking around, I, if I wasn't outside, I would've swore there were cameras somewhere. Like, I'm being punked, there's no way this is real. And I'd like to stand up here and say that I responded by just blessing him and thanking him for telling me how dumb I am, right? But unfortunately, I did not. And uh, I engaged him a little bit, I got a little defensive. And uh, it wasn't horrible, I didn't say anything that was, you know, I had to apologize for, but at the same time, I felt a rise up in me, you know? And, and, when I, and I, I did walk away and I left, and as I was driving back here to the office, I remember thinking, I was mad at myself, like, man, why did I even engage in that? You know, it wasn't that, it's not even worth it, you know? And I got here to the office and I was just sitting at my desk, I was just praying for the day and, and uh, trying to get myself ready for my day, and I, I just, almost out of habit, I just started praying for him, and I, I just started blessing him. You know, and, and thanking God for him, and you know, even just, I, I want, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not above criticism by any means, not at all, and I wanted to take to heart even what he said, like, well, maybe I did mess it up, you know, and so I was praying this, and it, while I'm praying, it hit me like a ton of breaks. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm preaching on forgiveness this week. The Lord's giving me sermon material, right? <laughs> God sent that guy to me, and uh, I had to forgive him, and, uh, and, and that's just how life is. Now, you know, that might seem somewhat trivial to you, like it's not that big a deal. Obviously, many of us have much bigger offenses that have come into our life than something like that, but I can tell you, for someone 
as I pour my life into what I do here at the church, to have someone say, well, you're actually ridiculous and you're doing the opposite of what you're supposed to do. That, if I let that, that could produce an offense in my life. And uh, so they're all, it, whatever the offense is, it's real to us, whatever is coming to your life. And we have to live that lifestyle, but it's a constant battle because it goes against our nature to forgive, especially when we think the person doesn't deserve it, right? I mean, it's not easy. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Is there anything harder in life than turning the other cheek in the moment, right? And if you know that verse, Jesus isn't talking literally so much about slapping, it's about being disrespected. And he said, when you're being disrespected, you're not, you're not supposed to respond in kind, but we want to respond in kind, right? And Jesus goes another step and says, actually, I want you to love your enemies and bless those who persecute you. That goes against our nature. That's why forgiveness is so challenging for us. That's why it is something we have to be incredibly intentional about because it also has incredible power over us if we don't deal with it. It's not something we can take lightly. And the issue is usually not whether or not we want to forgive. It's about whether or not we're able to let go, right? It's about whether or not we're going to allow our emotions to lead us or our will. What we know about what forgiveness looks like or are we going to wait till we feel like forgiving? Because if you're going to wait till you feel it, some of you are going to wait a long, long time, depending on, especially depending on the severity of what happened or even where you were at that time in life when it happened. It's not about following our emotions, it's about following our will. And unconditional forgiveness is something that is very, very, very challenging. The world would even say that's crazy. You don't have to forgive people that don't deserve it, right? Conventional wisdom says you forgive people if they apologize and if they're sorry. But can I tell you, conventional wisdom underestimates the power of the cross. It underestimates the power of God in your life to do what he has called you to do. So we can actually live a lifestyle of unconditional forgiveness not in our own strength, but in the strength that God gives us. And I'm gonna explain that as we, as we move along today, because I really believe that we can be unoffendable. I believe it. I'm naive enough to believe that this thing's true. Now, that doesn't mean, I'm not saying you never get upset. Like, I was, I was a little upset when I had my encounter this week, but I let it go quick, because I know the importance of it. I know how, how detrimental it can be in my life. But I believe we can actually be unoffendable in our life but it's only gonna be by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. You see, Christianity is not just some self-help trick that we live out. It's actually real life. It's, it's actually about the power of God living in us. And this admonition that Paul gives us in Ephesians 4 that I read as my text verse shows us very clearly. He says to forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Okay? He doesn't say just forgive each other because it's the right thing to do, guy. Don't forgive each other just because, it's, because that would make God happy. He's saying forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. He's kind of giving us a little secret here to the mystery about forgiveness is that because God has forgiven you, you can forgive others. Because God has forgiven you when you didn't deserve it. Romans tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay? And don't get caught up in the semantics of like, well, I wasn't born yet when Jesus died on the cross. It's not about that. It's about mankind. We're all part of humankind. We're all part of the sin that put Jesus on the cross. So he's saying, he, I didn't wait for you to be okay before I did what I did. And so now I'm going to give you the power to be able to forgive as well because of what I did in your life. And if we've been forgiven, the consequences of not forgiving are severe. Because my text verse, the very first line in my text verse, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. When we don't forgive, we are grieving the Spirit of God. 
Now, that may, that may not mean much to you, but I could tell you for us, if you were saying you were a follower of Jesus today, you would call yourself a Christian. If the idea of grieving the Holy Spirit of God does not grieve you or upset you or make you sit up and take notice, then you gotta, you gotta step back and look at your whole life and your whole faith. Because I can tell you for me, as someone that is pursuing Jesus and loves Jesus, the thought of grieving his spirit is something that I'm determined to live my life in such a way that that doesn't happen. Now, that's, not, that's not to say it never will happen through my actions, but it's something I am very intentional when I read, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whatever is after that, I'm gonna pay attention. Because that's the last thing we should want to do if we really understand what he has done for us. So, what I wanna do today is I wanna give you some truth that helps us live free through forgiveness, okay? And the first one I wanna give you is actually exposing a lie. The truth is that time does not heal all wounds. The lie is that time does heal wounds. I'm sure you heard the saying, right? And there's times that time can help lessen the severity of something, but time does not in itself heal wounds. That is actually a lie that is meant to, well, I shouldn't say it's meant to, it, what it ends up doing, the product of that lie is to actually cause more harm than good. Because what we do is when we put forgiveness in our life on the back burner, and we just think, oh, I'm just gonna let time pass, and maybe it'll just not feel as hard as it does in my heart now. It won't hurt as bad as it did last week if I just keep going. What we're doing is we're actually fooling ourselves into thinking that things are getting better, but then all of a sudden something happens and you're triggered. And you realize, oh, I haven't dealt with that. Sometimes you take it out on somebody else that's totally innocent. Or sometimes it could be that same person that does something else and it just triggers something in you and what you realize is you're not even close to healed, you're not free from it at all, you've just tried to push it aside and not deal with it. Time does not heal wounds. What heals wounds is forgiveness. Forgiveness is what heals the wounds in our life. And the idea that time will heal our wounds, what that does is it breeds apathy because it just makes you not deal with it. Let me tell you, that's an epidemic in our society today. I, I've read plenty on it that people will avoid even confrontation, like I will do anything to avoid confrontation, even if it means I have to live with my resentment and my bitterness. Over The majority of people live that way. So much so that, that when you have people that are actually willing to confront situations and talk through issues, it actually weirds people out. Like, whoa, wait a minute, you actually wanna talk about this? I wanna talk about it behind your back, not to you. Right, And when we, when we have this apathy, it, it breeds pain in our life. And it also causes the pain to just continue to grow and grow and grow in our life. I don't know when it became cool to not care about anything. But that does seem like that's what is the conventional wisdom today. Yeah, you just don't care. You know, all you care about is, all we're, it's cool to care about money and having fun. Other than that, nothing else is cool to care about. And we cannot let the world determine how we're going to respond to the hurt that we have in our lives. We don't look to the world for our answers, we look to the word of God. And apathy is so dangerous in our life because when we allow bitterness and resentment and those things to root in, what we are doing is we are actually opening ourselves up to having a stronghold in our life. Where those things can become a stronghold, where it's much more than just something you just have to deal with in a moment, but it becomes something that you have to make a complete 180 and do a life change to really get this out of your life. Because when we just ignore it and act like it's no big deal, 
I compared it to this in the first service, and I thought it was pretty accurate. If you've ever had to deal with black mold, you know how black mold is. It can grow. It can grow in places. It grows in dark places. It'll often grow inside walls where there's moisture, and it can grow for a long time, and you may not even know it's there for a long time until you tear a wall out and you realize, oh my gosh, look at this. This has been leaking for 10 years, and it's full of black mold. The thing is about black mold, it might grow where you don't see it, but you are feeling the effects of it. Black mold can make you sick long before it's visible. It can make you really sick. And that's what pushing away and putting on the back burner this forgiveness does in our life. You may feel like it's not there. You may feel like it's covered up and it's not a deal, but what it's really doing is it's making you sick. It's making you spiritually sick. It's making you emotionally sick. And yes, it even can make you physically ill. Outside of the church, people agree with that. That resentment in extreme cases and bitterness and anger can literally make you physically ill. So it's like a black mold that's growing in your room that you don't even see, so you think it must not be there, but in the reality, you're getting respiratory infections because of it. You're getting headaches because of it. You can't sleep because of it. You can't keep a friendship or a boyfriend or girlfriend because of it. It broke up your marriage because of it. Your finances are terrible because you're spending money to try to ease the pain you have, so you're going into incredible debt. You're sick all over the place and don't even see it because you put it on the back burner. And it's become a stronghold in your life. And it happens so easily, church. It's so subtle and so quiet, and it can happen so easily to us. Don't believe the lie that because you're a Christian, you can't have a stronghold in your life. The enemy's defeated, but he's not dead. You can be a Christian and be in complete and utter bondage in your life and have a stronghold in your life. Let me read what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 10, verses four to five. Look at this, it says, the weapons we fight against, we fight with, are not the weapons of the world. So we have weapons, but they're not the world weapons. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So Paul is telling her, this is actually a really incredible verse. I've read it so many times that I usually just kinda read over it real fast. This week I actually stopped and meditated on it and it was like lights went on in my head. Because what he's saying here is that strongholds are real and they need to be dealt with. This is New Testament. He's actually written this to a church. So this, is for, this isn't for like, oh yeah, you need to get saved and all the strongholds will be gone. No, these are saved people he's talking to. And he's saying you have strongholds in your life, but you can't fight against these strongholds with carnal weapons, okay? And so what a stronghold actually is, is, is anything, he, he explains it here in the next verse. He says, a stronghold, he said, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So strongholds in your life are anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Any pretension, any fake thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God in your life, okay? So what that means is very simply, these, these strongholds, will come into our life when we have a pretension in our life. The pretension when we talk about forgiveness is that I don't need to forgive. I don't have to forgive. That person doesn't deserve it. You don't know what my dad did to me. You don't know what my brother did to me. You don't know what my boss did to me. You don't know what my pastor did to me, my teacher, my spouse. Tons of hurts and pains, right? You don't know what they did. So the pretension is that we can stand in that because they never asked for forgiveness. They don't even care. So I'm not going to do it. I have a right to this anger. 
that I have. It's how I protect myself. Right? That's a pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God because when you have a knowledge of God, you know the word of God says, forgive as Christ forgave you. Lord, forgive me as I forgive others. Turn the other cheek, love your enemies, bless those that persecute you. That's the knowledge of God. So any pretension that sets itself up against that knowledge can become a stronghold in your life. It's really that simple. And so we have these strongholds because we have ignored the knowledge of God in a situation and we've allowed those carnal things to stand in its place. And he says, so you have to fight against them. How do you do it? He gives us the tools right here. He says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So who fights against these strongholds? We do. He says, we, the weapons we fight with are not of the world. We demolish arguments and every pretension. We take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. The super spiritual in the room are not gonna like this, but this is something that we don't have to pray and ask God to demolish arguments and pretensions in our life. We don't have to pray and ask God to take my thoughts captive, because he ain't gonna do it. He's given us the weapons to do it. You take your thoughts captive, when you, don't, when you wanna be angry and don't wanna forgive. You stand on the knowledge of who God is in your life and defeat those arguments and those pretensions in your life. You do it, he's given you the power to do it through his Holy Spirit, and he's saying, do it. It's on you to do it, I've given you what you need, do it, walk it out. Don't let strongholds take over your life. Don't let them have place in your life. Don't, let, don't ignore the knowledge of God that you know and allow something else, a pretension, to lead you and guide you, step away from that and step into the knowledge of God and say, the word of God says to do this. I don't know how it works, but I'm just gonna trust him and believe it does. And you're amazed when you actually walk out the principles of God in forgiveness and realize, wow, I'm really free. And you tell people about it like, yeah, I've totally forgiven this person. And like, oh, did they ask you to forgive them? Did they come begging you on their hands and knees and tell you how sorry they were? No, in fact, they don't care. Yet I'm still free. Well, how'd you do that? Power God. It's the only way it can be done, church. It's the only way. Is anybody happy for the power of God in your life to help you to forgive? Praise God. It's beautiful. And listen, I know that it is tough when you've been hurt. I'm not belittling your pain. I'm not. I've been hurt too, plenty in my life. I know some of you have gone through more than I've ever even dreamed of going through. I'm not belittling that at all. We're not belittling our pain. We're magnifying the power of God. We're magnifying the cross. We're magnifying the love of Jesus, who in, for, for Christ's sake, God forgave you. That's what we're exalting here. We're not belittling anything, we're just exalting. And when we exalt him, it does make these things seem a little smaller in our life, and something that can actually be managed. All right, I gotta go to the second one. The second truth, it takes faith to forgive. To really live out forgiveness in your life the way God has intended, it takes faith in your life to really do it. You can't experience the fullness of forgiveness, biblical forgiveness, you can't experience it on your own. Look what Luke 17 said. This is Jesus talking to his disciples about forgiveness. He says, so watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times come back, comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. The apostles' response was, how do we do that? No. It was increase our faith. I, I think this should have like 18 exclamation points because I could see Peter yelling like, there's no way. 
How am I going to forgive somebody seven times in a day? And you know what? That number seven doesn't mean seven. It didn't mean like on the eighth time you could tell them to pound bricks. It's infinite. And forgive him. Forgive him, forgive him, forgive him. And Peter knows enough, or the apostles know enough, just like we know enough to know that's impossible on my own. After the second or third time, like, dude, how many times are you going to do this? And he's saying, forgive him. Forgive him, forgive him, forgive him. It takes faith to forgive. It tells me it's not just a formula and that we have to have a depth of faith to really live in this freedom. A shallow faith will not cut it, church. In fact, in any aspect of the Christian life, a shallow, half-hearted faith will not cut it. If you're going to stay shallow and half-hearted in your faith, and you know what that means, if that's you, then you, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna always struggle with bondage. Not just in forgiveness in every aspect of life. Whatever your crutch is, whatever your vice is, whatever that sin is that easily entangles you, you're not gonna get victory over it if you're gonna live a shallow Christian life. You're just not going to. And I'm not, I'm not, there's no formula I can give you to say, well, if you'll just do this, if you'll, if you'll come to the altar six times over the next six weeks and pray this prayer, you'll be free. No, it's not about those things. It is about living a life of going in deep places with God. You know, I, I preached about this a couple years ago. I don't know if I coined the phrase or not. Probably not. I probably saw it somewhere, but I'm going to take credit for it because I can. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we, God is not looking for kiddie pool Christians. Where we're just always in the shallow, you know, the shallow water is safe and easy, but God's calling us to the deep. He's calling us to places of depth. He's not looking for kiddie pool Christians where we're always just playing it safe and not doing anything that's risky at all. Forgiveness for those that don't deserve it in our life is incredibly risky. It is very, very risky. We're letting somebody get away with something, and we don't like that, do we? I don't like letting people get away with stuff. I can admit that up here. In my flesh, I don't. I don't think anybody does. Oh, yeah, just, you know, hurt me again. It's great. Keep getting away with it. None of us like that. I told you guys I like watching crime uh, documentaries. Part of it is to see the guy that did it getting his due. I like it. And when they get away with it, I'm like, well, that ain't good. I hope there's a part two. We like when people get what we think is coming to them. But forgiveness, biblical forgiveness, is not giving them what's coming to them. It's forgiving them in spite of whatever it could be, whatever's in the way. And it's challenging in our life. Paul rebukes the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 2 for their shallowness. In chapter 6 and verse 7, the first part, he says, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means that you have been completely defeated already. The Christians in Corinth, they were suing each other for stuff. And it was probably legitimate stuff, but they were suing each other back and forth. And he's saying, the world is seeing you guys suing each other as Christians. And you're like, you're totally defeated. You're so shallow. All you're worried is about is a little bit of money. And he goes on the rest of that verse and he says, why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? He said, you're so shallow. Like, who cares? It's just money. And, you know, I mean, I read that and I think, yeah, Corinthian church, why were you doing that? But then what happens to me, it's a different story. Right. Wait a minute. No, whoa, that's my money. Right? It takes a level of, it takes a depth of faith to be able to look at that and say, yeah, okay. I'm okay to be cheated and wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm going to have food on the table. My bills are going to be paid. You rip me off. Okay. To really forgive them rather than go after it, even though you may deserve it according to the world's rules. He's saying, why not rather be wrong? Why not rather be cheated? That's probably, that's one of the hardest verses in all the Bible to say, to, to read. Nobody reads that and goes, Hallelujah. Let's all get wronged because it's challenging. It's tough and it takes a level of depth. And one 
of the evidences of a lack of depth in our life is when we focus on fairness. Fairness and forgiveness are complete opposites. Okay, It's easy to forgive when it's fair. right? When the guy comes to you and says, man, I totally messed up. I am so sorry. Would you please forgive me? I mean, you have to be, you have to be a sociopath to not forgive that person, right? When it's genuine. But when somebody, comes, when somebody does something to you and it's not fair and they don't ask your forgiveness, when you have an abusive father or husband that's never even, it actually denies that it ever happened, or you have an employer that mistreated you and got a promotion for it, or you have a friend that totally betrayed you and has turned their back on you in a time of your greatest need, or talked bad about you to someone, or ruined, ruined an aspect of your life, and they're just living great and having a good time, and they couldn't care less that they did that to you. That's a whole nother story to forgive that. And if you're focused on fairness, you're never gonna forgive. Because it's not fair to forgive somebody that's abusive and didn't get any punishment for it. It's not fair to forgive someone that's hurt you that's never asked to be forgiven. Fairness and forgiveness are opposites. And your ability to not fixate on fairness is directly proportional to your level of relationship with Jesus. That's the only way you cannot be fixated on fairness. Because no one outside of a deep relationship with Jesus would say that fixating on fairness is even a bad thing. Because that's, what, that's how our judicial system is set up. It's supposed to be about being fair. And it's not bad in the natural realm, but we don't just live in the natural realm. We, live in, we, li we have a higher standard in our life. And God's standard for us is that we wouldn't worry about being fair. We would forgive. But it takes a lot of faith to forgive. A depth of faith that I would pray, I pray for, and I hope you guys pray for too. I'm not gonna stand up here and tell you I've arrived and ooh, if you guys could just have a level of a depth of faith like your pastor does, you'll all be fine. I'm not telling you that at all. I, I've, there's, there's someone in my life that I've had to forgive more times than I could even think about counting for pain this person's caused in my life. And no, it is not joy. Okay? <laughs> and it's not my children either, so you're off the hook. Um, but I've had to so many times. And it's only been in the last few years that I've really gotten freedom from it. And so I'm not, I'm not standing up here sanctimonious and telling you guys to be like me. I'm telling you we're in this together. And it's going to depend on whether or not you're willing to go to a level of depth with him. All right, third and finally, a truth that helps us walk in the freedom of forgiveness is that forgiveness hurts, but unforgiveness kills. You need to know that I know, and we all know, that forgiving people hurts. It's painful. Because you are. You're having to... You're having to ignore fairness in a lot of those situations. So it does hurt. But unforgiveness literally kills us. It kills us spiritually. It kills us emotionally. And it can even kill us physically. And that's a tough word to hear. But I care way too much about you to not say anything about it. Because it's so important that we walk this out. The Bible says that we reap what we sow. Right? We all know the the sowing and reaping principle. It's one of the core principles of Christianity. We talk about it all the time, right? The Bible's very clear. In fact, Paul says that God will not be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. And you know, we like that when it's about reaping, you know, like you sow generosity, you sow, you sow money into an investment maybe, and it's a good investment, and you reap from that, that's a good reaping. But if you sow money into a bad investment, that's a bad reaping. We don't like that one so much. We like the one that's good, right? But it goes both ways. You can't you can't sow and reap just the good, and when you sow bad, still reap good. It's, it is what it is, and it's the way it's been set up. 
And we, uh, well, let me read you in, in Luke 6, in verse 37, because Jesus talks about sowing and reaping, about forgiveness. He says, forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now listen, many of you probably heard this verse as a plea to get money from me, from a preacher. And I'm not gonna say that that's completely out of line. I do think that the re sowing and reaping, even when you're giving, is, is legitimate. It's a principle that I believe in. I believe it's true. But that's not what this verse is actually talking about. This verse is not talking about money primarily. It's actually talking about forgiveness. He says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Give forgiveness and it will be given back to you. When we live a lifestyle of forgiving others, we also set ourselves up to be forgiven as well. Forgiven by God, forgiven by others. You know, here's, here's the principle with this. If we live a lifestyle of forgiveness, you know what comes with that is humility. If you live a lifestyle of you're just constantly forgiving and you're, you're, letting, you're, you're not holding people's offense against them, humility is bred through that. How many of you know it is so much easier to forgive a humble person than it is a proud person, right? Even if a proud person comes back to you and apologizes, there's something that's like, eh, I'm probably gonna forgive you, but I'm gonna wait a couple weeks. I'm gonna hold on to this for just a minute, right? But when it's somebody that's really humble and meek and mild and, and, and they come to you and they're like, I'm so sorry, I mean, you just want so desperately to forgive them, you don't want them to feel bad, right? This is the principle, that when you are constantly living a lifestyle of forgiveness, it will be given to you as well. You breed it in your own life. Because I don't know if you know this, but people have to forgive you too. I said I had to forgive this guy this week. I'm sure somebody's had to forgive me this week as well. And you wanna have that in your life where you are also being forgiven in your life. A great example of sowing and reaping when it comes to forgiveness is out of Matthew 18. And uh, I, I preached on this word, verse many times, and I'm sure you've probably heard preaching on it. Uh, it is so near and dear to me because when this, ver when, this chat, when this passage was actually illuminated in my life, it literally changed my life, literally. It helped me so much in the area of forgiveness that I, I couldn't even put into words. And so I wanna, I wanna kinda explain it to you today, I'll share a verse about it too, but in Matthew 18, it's a story, Jesus is given a parable of the unmerciful servant. And this servant owed his master billions of dollars, so the equivalent of billions of dollars today. I don't remember what the, they did some calculation, I don't remember what it is, but it's more than he could ever pay in multiple lifetimes. And he goes to his master and he says, please give me more time and I'll pay off the debt, which wasn't true, because there's no way he could have, but he was just begging for mercy. And it says the master felt sorry for him and in mercy and compassion that he had for him, he forgave the debt. He said, don't worry about it, it's forgiven. That's a, that's a picture of the forgiveness of God for us and what, they, what he did for us. We had this debt we couldn't pay, he canceled it for us by going to the cross, right? So this servant is so excited, so grateful, that he immediately goes to his servant and starts choking him, saying, give me the money you owe me. And this guy owed him the equivalent of about ten dollars to $14,000 based on calculations that I've seen. Okay, so still significant amount of money, but compared to multiple, if you got in debt to multiple billions of dollars, 14 grand is probably not that big of a deal, right? And he chokes the guy and says, give me my money. And the guy says the same thing to him that he said to his master. He said, give me more time, I promise I'll pay you back. The guy says, nope, too bad, I'm putting you in jail, which he had the legal right to do, by the way, because the guy owed him money. He put him in jail until he could pay back all he owed. Well, the other servants saw this and they were so distraught because they knew that the other guy had gotten a huge debt 
forgiven by the master. So they go to the master and they told on him. Little tattletales. And the master brings the servant back in to him and he says, well, I gotta, I'm gonna read that part to you actually out of Matthew 18, verse 32. It says, the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Okay, there's so much in here and I can't go through all of it, but let me just give you some of the, some of the highlights of it. This is all about sowing and reaping, right? Forgiveness was sowed into his life, yet he didn't sow it into somebody else's life and so he ended up reaping a punishment from his master. And the lack of forgiveness on this servant's part, it actually says that it made him angry. It says, in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers. Now listen, I don't, I, I've, I've looked, I can only find three circumstances where I think Jesus was angry in the New Testament. One was in the temple when he turned over the, the tables and that was because of the people's greed, right? They turned his, his house into a den of robbers. They were greedy and taking advantage of people there. So that made him angry. The Pharisees and the religious leaders made him angry because of their hard hearts, because they wouldn't, you know, they didn't accept him for who he was, and they, they, were, they were pompous and religious, and that made him angry. So we know greed and religion makes him angry. The third one that I can find is this one here, where he said, where the guy did not forgive, and it made him angry and handed him over. Now, I know we like to think that we can't make God angry anymore because of the new covenant. I think this goes against that. It says he, in his anger, he turned him over. In Matthew 18, the very next verse, in verse 35, look what it says. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Unless you forgive, this is how my heavenly Father will treat you. He handed them over to the torturers. Now listen, many would look at this and think, oh my goodness, so he has to go back, to, he has to go to jail now until he can pay back the multiple billions of dollars. No, that's not what this is saying. Once a debt has been canceled, it can't be uncanceled. Okay, the master didn't say, oh, never mind, I'm not canceling your debt now. When he said he put him, gave him over to the torturers until he could pay back all he owed, what he owed was forgiveness. He owed forgiveness to that other servant that he didn't forgive and put in jail. So what that says to us in today, in 2022, in Grovetown, Georgia, is that if we want, if, if you, some of us are dealing with torture in our lives. Some of you are inflicted with so many emotional or mental or relational or financial or physical things in your life, some of which may be because of unforgiveness in your life. To get freedom from that, he is literally saying, pay back what's owed. What is owed is forgiveness. That's it. It's not billions of dollars, it's forgiveness. It's forgiving that other person in your life that doesn't deserve your forgiveness. This guy had every right to put that guy in jail because he owed him money. That was not unethical, it was not against the law, it was the way the, the system was set up back then. So what he did was fine according to the world's standards. But God said, you owe him forgiveness. Why does he owe him forgiveness? Because of the debt that he had canceled. If you are a follower of Jesus today, you have had a greater debt canceled than you could ever have towards you no matter what anybody's ever done in your life. There's no question about it. Yes, let's praise God for that. We have no concept of the magnitude of the debt that Jesus canceled for us. You might know some, you might say, I'm thankful because before I met Jesus, I was X, Y, Z, right? You understand to some degree, but our carnal minds cannot even fully grasp 
what he actually did for us by dying on the cross for us. All we can do in response to that is say, I'm gonna cancel debts too. I'm gonna live my life to cancel debts, no matter what they are, no matter how badly they hurt me, no matter how much they don't deserve it. By the power, and that's the, this is the beauty of it too. It's not even just that he tells us to do it. He's like, listen, I put my spirit in you so that you can do it. This is not about gritting your teeth and saying, ah, I'm just gonna be more forgiving. It's about letting the weapons, the divine weapons that God has given you tear down the strongholds in your life. Break down the arguments in your life to help take your thoughts captive, those thoughts of anger, bitterness, resentment. You have the power to take them captive because of what he has done in you and wants to do through you. It's, it's beautiful. He's like, hey, do this. Oh, here, here's, here's what you need to do it. That's the greatest instructions in the world, right? If your teacher or your professor tells you, hey, do this report, oh, here's the report. <laughs> you need to take it with you. He's given us everything we need to be able to live this life with what he's called us to live. Would you stand with me, please, as we close today? Listen, I wanna, I wanna invite you to the altar to pray today. If there's any forgiveness you have in your life, you wanna, you wanna just commit today. Or I'm sorry, if there's any unforgiveness. If you just wanna commit today to say, God, I'm committing to live a lifestyle of forgiveness. I'm committing that I am not gonna allow this unforgiveness to grow like black mold behind the walls of my life where I can't see it. I'm gonna be intentional. I'm gonna use the divine weapons that you've given me to forgive and to make sure that I'm pre-forgiving in my life, that I'm always living in such a way that I'm almost unoffendable. If you wanna to pray today, just come to the, for to the front. If you came during worship, that doesn't mean you can't come again. We all need to walk out forgiveness in our life. And listen, we don't need to be in chains. You don't need to be in bondage today. Not anymore. You can walk free. Please, please, don't, don't fall into the mindset of thinking the only way I can be free is if this person, if something happens to this person or, or if this person responds to me in a certain way. That's not where freedom comes. Freedom comes through Christ alone and through our trust and our faith in him. He's the one that, that, that did the work and he's the one that wants to help us through it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you are the one that sets us free. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for your word that tells us that it was for freedom that you set us free, that we are no longer subject to the yoke of the slavery of unforgiveness, of resentment, of bitterness, of anger, of unforgiveness in our life, Lord. We lay that down today, Lord, every one of us, God, whether we're at this altar or not, we are laying it down at your feet today, and we are choosing today to say that we will not fight with carnal weapons. We will not let the world determine how we will forgive or when we will forgive or why we will forgive. We believe your word. We have the knowledge of God and every pretense that has put itself in front of the, our knowledge of you, God, we cast it down today. We push it aside. We are not giving it place anymore. We're taking all the power that we have given those pretenses in our life and we are pushing them aside. And we are saying, God, let your divine power work in us and through us to help us live free through forgiveness. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you, Father God. We thank you so much today that we don't have to do this on our own, but it is your spirit living in us. Lord, would you stir up your spirit in us 
God, that we would know how to draw from your power, not our own. That we would be more submitted to you, that we would be more dependent upon you, that we would not be content in the shallow places, but we would wanna go to those deep, deep places with you, God. As deep cries out to deep, Lord, bring us out into those places of depth with you, that we will not be content with anything less than what you have for us in this life. Because Jesus, you are worth it. You deserve it. We thank you that you canceled the great debt for each and every one of us, that while we were still sinners, you died for us. You didn't wait for us to be good enough. You didn't wait for us to say we were sorry. You came and did it anyway, Lord, and we wanna follow your example. We wanna emulate you in our lives because we wanna grow your kingdom and we wanna live with the peace of God in our lives. So we pray you would do your work by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Praise God. Let's praise God one more time, Kirk. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Praise God. Do not get caught up in your relationship with unforgiveness. Sometimes it can be hard to let go because you've had that relationship with unforgiveness for so long. It's like this toxic comfort zone where it's, it's like it's my best friend is my resentment because it's the only thing that, that I understand, right? God would say let go and trust him. Praise God.